Uh, let's just uh, quickly stand. We'll dive right into the text, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of unpack it and see what God has to say today. Amen? Um, again, let me give you some backdrop on this particular story. There's a guy by the name here of Nicodemus. Now, it's a long text we're going to read, but you have to understand you can't break this apart because it's a conversation more like a sermon that Christ has with Nicodemus. Amen? If you're not familiar with Nicodemus, the text will let you know who he is. But he was part of the elite of that time, right? The Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, he was involved with these people. He was part of that, all right? Jesus shows up on the scene. He begins to do these miracles, begins to do all these wonderful things. And Nicodemus now wants to find out more, amen? So we're going to be reading from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. It reads like, so just follow me. I'll read it like a story, Amen? There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak that we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things, you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's read 16 together. One, two, three, go. For God... Stop. Think about that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the life that his deeds might be clearly seen that they have been done in God. That is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. It's a long text, 
but it's important for us to read it that way. I've asked you to read verse 16 because it seems that out of John, that's the only text that we remember. We see the text that follows that in our own unbelief, we're condemned already. I want to walk through the text a little bit because there are some things that happen here that are kind of unusual, at least to me when I read it. It appears that Nicodemus comes to him in the night. For some reason, this is when he decides to show up. Now, he says something in verse 2. It says, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you're a teacher come from God for no one. Now, pause there. He said, we know. Now, it appears to me that it's not just Nicodemus now who is starting to believe in Jesus Christ. But it appears that he's the one that's been pushed off the edge. Yo, you go talk to him. You go talk to him. You, you go find out more about him. Right? Now, now, we have to understand something because it goes on further to say that the next thing is, he says this thing, and it seems to me, and, and this is just from my perspective, like he's trying to butter up Jesus. Right? Like you're trying to say, man, I know you're, you know, this is who you are. You came from God. And, and, and I don't know about that, but watch the discourse, how it happens, right? He says this, and Jesus, I would at that moment say, man, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. But Jesus, who knows your thoughts before you even know them, knows what you think before you think it, knows your past, your present, and your future, gets to the heart of the matter because there's a question that he hasn't asked that he needs to ask because that's what he came for to find out. But he starts out with these guys, right? You ever get your kids right? They, they want something, but then they'll go, man, you're a great dad. You're a wonderful dad, you know? I said, okay, get to the point. What does he want, right? You know, like, we're like yeah, all week, they haven't told you you're a wonderful dad, but now all of a sudden, Friday night, and you're a wonderful dad. So they're setting you up for something. He's kind of said it, but Jesus gets right to it, and he answers them this. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How important is this? says, if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He goes on to say, Nicodemus said to him. Now, you have to be careful with this as you're reading it. My Bible has it in red. Nicodemus says three things. There are three statements, and then the rest is Jesus. Jesus is just giving it to him. And he says, okay, so, so most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, a lot of people take this text and it says, oh, baptism and the Holy... No, it's not that. It's what Ezekiel says in Ezekiel. I'm going to read it real briefly. It won't be on the screen, but look what Ezekiel says. And uh, write it down. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 says this. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. Somebody say new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, out of your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. This is, this is amazing. Like, like everything God is saying here is new. It's new. It's not old. We're not dusting off, you know, something old. It's something new. Is there something new about you since you've come to Christ? Is there something new or are you just dusting it off? 
Are you dressing it up? Are you disguising it? Because at the end of the day, he's saying, I will give you a new heart. And then he goes on to say in verse 27 of Ezekiel chapter 36, says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. That's what he says here. He is specific about what this new birth looks like. And we have to be mindful of that because at the end of the day, he's talking about this being born again and what that means. Now that term, when I first heard that term and I was coming around, I said, what does it mean? So I wanted to find out what it meant. You have to understand that a new life means a new way. You, you, you have to understand that. you got to get that. And I started out this year by saying it's a new year, not another year. At least for me, it's got to be a new year. So when there are old things that are creeping into this new year, I'm saying, wait a minute, that's an old thing in a new year. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. So now in this new birth, in this new creation that you become, when you say yes to Jesus Christ, are you still acting in an old way? Because where is this newness of life that you've entered into? It's a direct result of meeting Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, and he goes, this is amazing. I be in this conversation with him. He goes on and on and on and on. And then Nicodemus in verse 9, this is the final time we hear from Nicodemus in this chapter. Nicodemus answered to him and said, how can this be? And Jesus answered to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Why do you marvel about these things? He goes on to say, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Go down to verse 14, because now he does something amazing in the text. Like, Nicodemus knows about the teachings of his people. In fact, there are 613 613 laws that they have to follow. And Nicodemus probably claims that he kept them all, at least. But he knows about that. And this is what Jesus now does with this text. He, he gives him something that he, he must know because he already knows about the writings of Moses. And he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now that means absolutely nothing to you unless you've been reading the Bible. In Numbers chapter 21, write it down somewhere, keep notes. You come to church, come with your Bible. Come on, people. Come on, people. Come with something to write with. Something to, you want to grow? You want to you experience this new life? Let's get busy at doing this. Amen? So, so it's important. Now, Numbers 21, there's a scene there, right? The people are murmuring. The people are complaining. They're in the wilderness. They're saying, oh, you brought us out here so we can die. What's your problem for crying out loud, right? So, so now Moses, you know, speaks to God. God hears these people murmuring, and God sends serpents, poisonous serpents, to bite the people. <laughs> now, if you're a murmurer, be careful. If you're into gossip, be careful. Right? If you're into saying, oh God, where are you? You know, you put me out here and now I'm struggling. Guess what? No one said that walking with Christ was going to be easy. What I am reminded is I'm not walking alone. No longer am I on my own. No longer am I left to figure it out. No longer do I have to worry or be anxious or be concerned. Why? Because God's got me. He goes on to say this is a very powerful thing because now the very same serpent he sent he gives Moses instruction. He tells Moses, he said, listen, uh, make this uh, uh, serpent, this bronze serpent, and put it on a pole, right? And, and then display it. By the way, do you know that that serpent, that, that same serpent that bit them is the same serpent, the image that God uses to heal them? 
Those who look to the serpent now will be healed. The serpent will be lifted up, and when you look at them, you'll be healed. By the way, that's also the symbol of the medical profession. If you ever see the symbol, right, they put it on their patches, right? Where'd they get that from? Some created marketing genius? No, from the Bible. It's a symbol that if you look to this bronze serpent, you'll be healed. That's what he's talking about here when he tells him that. And Nicodemus, let me tell you what Nicodemus doesn't need. Nicodemus does not need another teaching. Nicodemus needs a savior. So here he's telling him, you're a teacher. You come from God. You did this one of the miracles. Now in verse here, 20, or 14, he says, no, no, listen to me. You need a savior, Nicodemus. You don't need another teaching. You've been following the 613. You guys just, you know, you're on fire with these things. You get into the synagogue, you're constantly teaching, constantly teaching. You guys don't need another teaching. Nobody in this room needs another lesson. You need a savior. You need a savior. Someone who's come to do what you cannot do for yourself. You've tried. I've tried. Already some resolutions have gone down the wayside. Right? We start out the year charging and say, hey, I'm going to do this more. And all of a sudden, we stop doing it. Why? Because it's all this external stuff. Right? Like, like, like going through a red light. You know you're supposed to stop at the red light. That's just an external thing. If internally you don't understand that, you're not supposed to do that. Right? Then you're going to continue to do it. So here he's saying this same thing. He's saying we don't need another teacher. None of us in this room needs another teacher. The best teacher is who? The Holy Spirit. That's the best teacher. Thank God that God has given some people the teaching gift. That's a wonderful thing. But I don't care. I can teach till I'm blue in the face. If you're shut off to it, if you don't want to listen, if you're hard in your heart, no matter what I say, I can get up here and dance. And you still won't understand it because you're resisting what the teaching is trying to bring. But when you have a Savior, the Savior doesn't come along. The Savior comes with the Holy Spirit. And he parks that in you. And now he begins to unlock this desire to want to know more about God. To begin to understand what the gospel is about. It's not about your efforts, it's about what he's done. It's not about what you can do. It's about what he can do for you, through you, and already has done for you. At the end of the day, all I'm on, I'm, I'm on for the ride. I'm just, I'm just grabbing hold of Jesus. And I'm going to give him license to take me where he needs to take me and do what he's got to do. A lot of people are being dragged. And that's why you're struggling so much in your life because you say you have Jesus, you want Jesus. And you say, come on, let's go this way. And you say, no. Right? It, it, it's, it's like, you know, you're, 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 you say the song, right? Jesus, take the wheel. Anybody heard that song? Right? But, but now you're this backseat driver. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to go left. He said, why are you going left? Come on, don't go left. Like Jesus is driving, and you're telling him in the back seat, don't go left. What are you doing? So, oh, Jesus, I'm going to take a right towards humility. No, no, I don't want to go that way. No, no, I'm going to take a left towards patience. Man, I really don't need patience right now. <laughs> so if, if you really want this new life, you have to understand you don't need a teaching, you need a Savior. Right. The Savior comes in the person of Jesus Christ. This new life that we want and the soul desire doesn't come because you unpack a gift. It comes because of the gift. The gift of Jesus Christ given on that day to us and here today for you. Nicodemus didn't need another teaching. He goes on to say, as a serpent is lifted up. And then, of course, verse 16 jumps in here. In the middle of this discourse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What are we talking about this perish thing? 
Is it this magical poof that I'm going to disappear somewhere? Is this word perish mean me disappearing? Or does it mean me going further and further and further away from God? The further I get from God, the more confused I become. I begin to pick up things. Anybody pick up things? Right? Everybody talks about a bucket list, you know, at the end of the day, what you want to do. Right? We pick up this life list, right? And we begin to pursue these things and chase these things. And now I'm making idols of things that are not meant to be idols. They're supposed to be blessings. But now I make them idols. So we begin to worship the creation rather than the creator. So at the end of the day, what begins to happen? Now that which you've given me becomes my God. Small g. And here's what I said, and I say it all the time. When you, begin to, when you begin to erect idols in your life, these idols demand sacrifices. They demand sacrifices. When, when, when you uh, bow down to this idol of, of approval, you will compromise your integrity to impress other people. Come on now, tuck your feet in. Tuck your feet in. But you have to understand that what I'm doing right now is just the truth. When confronted with the truth, don't fight with the messenger. Receive the message. Because if you're still seeking approval from the people around you, that's the limit of your blessing. And people are finicky. They're moody. One day they like you, one day they don't. Come on now. I need an amen up in here. Right? And it has to do a lot of times. We do this all the time. We say, you know, like, like when I first came around, honestly, I didn't know I was naive. <laughs> Right? I just walked into the recovery thing. Man, I used to go to every, you know, like anniversaries I would go to and just, you know, want to honor people. You know, E, the first time I didn't show up to somebody, I got ridiculed. It was like, oh, you didn't show up to them. You didn't show up to me. That means I'm, I'm less important than that person. I mean, you don't love me. What is it with people in recovery about they don't love you? Like, come on. You're loved. You're loved. You're loved. You don't need the approval. You're loved. You, you have to understand that. So guess what I stopped doing? I don't go to nobody's anniversary. <laughs> right, Rob? Yes, sir. <laughs> Why? Because of, of, of the fact that some people feel that if I show up to one place and not the other, that I'm loved more. And you. Listen to me. God loves you. If anything you need is God's love. If you get this right... God will take care. And let me explain something, so I'm going to put it out there. Just because I don't go to your anniversary doesn't mean I don't love you. Okay, can we, can we, can we write that down? Just because I don't go to your anniversary doesn't mean I don't love you. Okay? All right? Because that's something you have to understand. Right? You know, it's not a matter of choosing. I love you. And God loves you. And if God loves you, that's sufficient for you. The fact that you have another year under your belt, that's wonderful. Another birthday, that's fantastic. Another anniversary, that's something to celebrate. You don't have to thank me for that. You thank God. Amen? Amen. So, so, so we want to be mindful of that. So Nicodemus doesn't need another teacher. He needs a savior. Now, most people don't read past 16, and this is a scripture that we have to wrestle with a little bit. Verse 17, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. Everybody got that? Yeah. So God didn't come over here to point the finger at you and say, You bad boy, bad girl, bad boy, bad boy, bad He didn't come in here to do that. He came in here to say, You're bad, but I can make you good. You're filthy, but I can clean you up. You're no good, but I can use you. You don't know what you're doing, but I do. You don't know where you're going, but I do. 
And God invites us into that relationship where we don't have to wander around. We don't have to be caught up with the chaos in our minds and in our lives. God says, let me come in and do some house cleaning. Let me put things in their place. I didn't come here to condemn the world, he says. He says, watch this, but that the world through him might be saved. Hold on to that. Through him. There's no way to the Father except through the Son. There's no other name but the name of Jesus in which salvation comes in. No other name. I don't, listen to me. No other name. No other name. Tell your neighbor no other name. No other name. You got, you got to There's no other name because at the end of the day, all rogues do not lead to heaven. According to the scriptures, it says Jesus Christ is the way to the Father. You want to get to heaven? The Father. Now, now, just to be clear, I'm not in a rush to get to heaven. There's some work I still have to do, okay? All right? But I know I have this assurance of salvation because of the word of God. He didn't come here to condemn me. He came here to save me. And most of the time, he's come to save me from myself. You're a hot mess. You don't know that, do you? Yeah. Yeah, you ever see like a football player get psyched up, they slap each other? Like somebody slapping themselves, that's crazy. You're beating yourself for what? To psych, get psyched up? No, I just want to listen to music, I get psyched up. I don't need to get slapped in the face for that. Some of us still don't like ourselves in this room. Some of us put on a good front. And God is not here to condemn you. So stop condemning yourself. Maybe you're not satisfied with where you are. And that may be a direct result of whether Jesus is in control or you're in control. Because you're limited and you're finite and you're incapable of seeing around the corner. You can barely see tomorrow. But there is a God who knows tomorrow. There is a God whose your name is written in the book of life. Your life is in his hands. And if you can just give yourself over to understanding that text, you will realize he didn't come here to condemn you. So a lot of times we stay away from God because of angry God. He's going to punish me. Listen to me. Listen to me. God is not here to punish you. Your disobedience to the scriptures caused you your consequences. Does everyone understand that? Like, like the scriptures say here clearly, Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. It's not God sitting up there saying, I'm going to punish you. You don't believe. That's why it says, you know, that God wants us to to be to be involved in this relationship that he's talking about because it says here, okay, you're thinking that I'm the one that's causing your problems. No, you're causing your problems. You're causing your problems because you don't believe in the son. So he goes on to say, and this is the condemnation. Watch this. You know that Jesus says he's the light of the world, right? It says that the light has come into the world. Who's the light? And this is the irony. And men love darkness rather than light. Like, really? Think about that. Think about how your secrets grow in the dark. 
Think about how depressed you get and how a dark room soothes your depression. How, much, how, many, how many of us, don't raise your hand, still sleep with a night on? How many of us still sleep with a light on? Don't raise your hand. I don't want you to, you know, <laughs> get your nightlight. You know, think about it. Fear. Fear is not of God. Fear is not of God. How many of us don't? I have a coworker who goes up and down eight floors every single day with her pump, <gasps> trying to catch her breath for fear of elevators. I take the elevator. Fear is not of God. So, so he goes on to say this. He goes, okay, so people love the darkness. Why do people love the darkness? I mean, think about it. You were there. I was there. Why? He says it in the next verse. Why? He says this. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? Because your deeds will be exposed. Woo! You'll be found out. You'll be found out. People are going to know about who you are because your deeds will be exposed because the light does that. Jesus exposes us for who we are, and he still says, you don't need another lesson. You need me. You, you've tried to do it this way. You try to, you know, uh, I'm not going to do this anymore. No, that doesn't work. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to help you in this process. I'm going to allow you to go through things, but I'm going to be with you. You have to see what it says here. And it goes on because this is the truth. The truth is just that. The truth is him saying, listen to me. You have to be born again. And the evidence of you being born again is a new way. It's a new way. Now Nicodemus came to him in the dark and he, and, and he does this whole thing. And we don't hear about Nicodemus in this sermon anymore. What happened to Nicodemus? Well, let's find out. John chapter 7, verse 50. Probably won't be on the screen. Write it down. Just stay with me. Jesus is being accused, being rejected. They're already plotting against him. Right? And in this verse, chapter 7, he's rejected by the authorities. They're starting to have these conversations around this whole Jesus and all this stuff. And Nicodemus, verse 50, in chapter 7, it says, Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, verse 51, does our Lord judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? What is Nicodemus doing? He is now defending Jesus. Came to him at night to inquire, and now all of a sudden, in the same council of the people that are trying to accuse him, Nicodemus says, oh, wait a minute, doesn't our law say this, that you have to hear man before you judge him? Look at the transition, look at the transformation that's happening. Let's go further. Verse 19, same book, John. Chapter 19. Verse 38, Jesus is dead, right? Take him down from the cross, right? We got to claim his body. Look who claims his body. After this, Joseph Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of Jews. 
Remember I said the we at the beginning of this story? Who was the we that Nicodemus was talking about? Guess what? It says here, Joseph Arimathea was what? A disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of Jews. Listen to me. We don't need undercover Christians. We don't. We need men and women who have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, who understand the gospel and understand the sacrifice that was made for you to stand up and be counted. To stand up before what's right. Oh, but you don't know. They might beat me up. It's okay. I got someone who's going to heal your wounds. I got someone who's going to care for you. Oh, but I may die. Well, I'm grateful for the disciples who died as martyrs. I'm grateful for those who have died for their belief because it bolsters my faith. He goes on to say here, they asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. Verse 39, and Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came with Joseph, and, and what? Bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound in his strips of linen with spices and custom of Jews to bury. Nicodemus has changed. Nicodemus is born again. Nicodemus is transformed. Why? Because what he's doing at that time, the ones that prepared the bodies were the women. The women were responsible for preparing the bodies to go into the tomb. You, you, you couldn't. And now he doesn't care. This is my Savior. This is my Lord. He deserves a proper burial. And I'm not going to give it to somebody else to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it on. A hundred pounds of myrrh. Imagine the task of bringing all that stuff and then preparing it. Imagine how he prepared his body. How he rubbed his body and wrapped it. Imagine what he was saying. Saying, oh, Jesus. Jesus, just when I was starting to know you. Just when I was, just, when I was trying, trying to love you more. Now you're gone. He doesn't know about the resurrection yet. He's heard about it, but he doesn't know yet. It's not going to happen. It's not a sure thing. He's just preparing the body. He's doing his rituals because he understands something. I no longer need a teacher. I have a savior. I have a savior. So I'm preparing his body because he deserves that. That conversation I had with him, he, he reminded me of what I, I needed to do. Now, now, you have to understand something. There are people who have everything they need, and there's no room for Jesus. Nicodemus was one of these people. I mean, you know, good job, had it going on, kept the laws, you know, was in a good position. You know, he was among the echelons of that time. But still, there was an emptiness. Still, there was an emptiness. That emptiness was taken out of you a long time ago. And the only one that can fill that emptiness is Jesus Christ. This is not about religion. It's not. It's about a relationship. It's about you acknowledging the fact that I don't need to work more. I don't need to do more. I just need a savior. One who has gone to do that which I could not do for myself. One who even to this day is interceding on my behalf. Yes. 
That's why when you struggle, you lean into Jesus. When you don't know, you lean into Jesus. Don't call me because my phone goes off at 9 o'clock. Okay? I'm not your savior. Pastor Edmund's not your savior. No leader in this church is your savior. We're just signposts pointing you to Jesus. Now, 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 don't say yes, man. Keep acting a fool up in this place. Don't say yes. Don't, don't do that. This new birth requires a new way of life. And if you're struggling, it's because you're not leaning into Jesus. You're not trusting the Savior. You're looking for another lesson. Hey, Pastor, can you tell me how to do this and that? No, you need Jesus. Yeah, but if you tell me how to do this, I'll get it done. No, you need Jesus. You don't need another step. You need Jesus. You don't need it. I'm not here criticizing anything. I'm just simply saying, you, don't, you need Jesus. What happened when the steps are not enough? Jesus, Jesus, it's pointing you to Jesus. Everything is pointing you to Jesus. Why resist it? Why be that child that you got to drag down the aisle of the grocery? No, you're coming. No, I don't want to go. No, come willingly. Why? Because our lives are a mess without Jesus. At least mine was. I'm going to be honest. I don't know about y'all up in here. But I'm going to be honest. My life was a mess. And without Jesus, it would still be a mess. Anybody ever fight with yourself? Yeah? Who wins? <laughs> Just curious to find out who wins when you're struggling with yourself, right? I win. <laughs> of course you win. There's no reason for you to fight. No reason for you to resist. It's, it's, it goes on to say, and, and I love this as I looked at it, and I saw, I said, in my mind as I started reading, I said, what happened to Nicodemus? With that sermon that Jesus gave him, what happened to him? And then I see what happens. It begins to change. No longer the same. Remember, he was hiding before? Now he comes out and says, yo, I want the body of Jesus. I want to take care of my Lord. You think there's not a bullseye on his back now after he does that? He doesn't need another lesson. In this new life, there's a new way. In this new life... There's a new way. This new birth demands us to live in a new way. The gospel is revealed through changed lives. Are you changed? Yeah, Pastor, I'm better today than I was yesterday. Amen. I don't despise small beginnings, but here's what I want you to know. You need to get better today than you were yesterday, and the only way to do that is honoring what Jesus Christ has placed before you. If you're in darkness... It will be revealed. It will be revealed. You're going to say something. You're going to do something. And considering that social media is there, you're going to post something. Because you can't help yourself. That void that you keep saying Jesus has filled, you still are at a place in your life where you have not fully died to self. So I'm saying this only because you need to really examine yourself. You know why? Because today's communion. And communion reminds us that we need to examine ourselves before taking of the elements. Because it's not a meal. We do it in remembrance of Jesus Christ until he returns. 
So, so you have to be mindful that, you know, um, we come on Sunday to celebrate what we've been doing all week. So if you're waiting for the music to start, to start worshiping, if you're waiting for somebody to hoop it up and say, come on, man, you got to worship God. Come on, man, get up. If you need someone to do that, then you're not doing nothing through the week. So it's important for us to be involved on a regular basis, growing and being nurtured by Jesus Christ so that we come in here. It's a celebration rather, rather than anything else we want to make it. We have to be mindful of those things. 